0: Christian, I just got a calendar for a job. And the timeline is totally crazy. It's so short. Like, how do you stay organized during prep when these timelines are truncated like that.
1: There is so much to think about and no room for error. None. And to be honest, sometimes stuff falls through the cracks. I don't know. Have you ever bolted awake at 2 a.m. and screamed, humane society!
0: Oh my God. <laughs> or even like,
1: oh the caterer!
0: <laughs> oh my God, the director wants fog and I didn't put it on the friggin' permit. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> what gets me through these jobs though, and even just my daily life, is checklists. I'm obsessed with checklists. That's the only way I can stay organized.
1: Even though we've been doing this for years, a solid checklist is super useful.
0: Yeah, even seasoned commercial pilots, like airline pilots who have been doing this for 25 years, use checklists for the most basic things. That's how important they are.
1: I'd like to think that my job is way more important than a pilot's job, but whatever. (laughs) So we did a thing and made a new pre-production checklist. This one is built for contemporary filmmaking methods. And, you know, it's also geared towards the way we're expected to work these days.
0: Yeah, which is crazy fast. So don't let anything slip through the cracks. Get the pre-production checklist. There's a link in our show notes where you can grab it, or you can just find it on our website, ProducersHappyHour.com. Go get it!
2: Lawrence, where do we even start? How do we even... I mean, like, I do all these things at my house to be more green and think but, you know, production can be so wasteful. So how... It, I, it, it can, And it can be overwhelming, too. Like, just how do we even
0: start? People put out the blue buckets on set, Uh,
2: yeah, and uh, and then they check
0: off the water
2: stations that we drink. The water stations that we don't have anymore,
0: Mm -hmm. uh huh. So Mm -hmm. and then they check off the okay, great, we're eco friendly, but there's really a a lot more to it. So we're talking today with Green the Bid, Julian Katz, one of the co-founders, and he's going to give us some basics that were actually surprising to me about what some of the biggest offenders on sets are and what we can do as producers to make our sets more eco-friendly
2: a lot of them are pretty simple so stay
1: tuned y'all
0: Welcome to the Producers Happy Hour with your hosts, Sister Christian and Lawrence Lewis.
1: We're two producers with over 20 years of experience each chatting over drinks about what it means
0: and what it takes to be a good producer.
1: Join us for insightful interviews and informative show topics that will help you get through your toughest jobs,
0: biggest production challenges,
1: and most difficult clients. So grab a drink.
0: You're going to need it.
1: And let's get to it.
0: Because making shit is hard. Hot. Sister Christian, <laughs> I have missed you so much. How are you?
2: Fantastic. How are you, Lawrence?
0: I'm good. Oh, you're having a lovely tea. I see.
2: I'm a little under the weather today. Um, I think uh-huh. it's just you know, um, everybody knows I just moved to LA like a year ago now, or just so is it just? But <laughs> never really had allergies before, and I think that you know, new location, new, still trying to get some local honey to spark you know,
0: <laughs> all yeah. of
2: my. For some reason, I'm I'm being a little affected right now, so apologize for my voice.
0: <laughs> no How are you worries. doing? I'm good. I'm good. In it to win it, I guess. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> As <laughs> or, they or trying not trying, just trying to stay stay sane uh, exactly. amongst amongst all the work and you know things going on. You know, it's like I have five jobs. You know, because I've got production is one oh, job. Yes. Mm-hmm. Podcast is this podcast is another job. I don't know if anybody knows. I've got my 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 house in Joshua Tree. Mhm That's another mm-hmm. job, and I in my whole voiceover thing so i'm I've been juggling a lot. a nice break would be nice, that's
2: all yes I'm gonna say. So, well, you know I mean, we have to take care of ourselves first, <laughs> we can't take care of anyone else unless we do, right, so that's
0: very um, true.
2: Well, you know, uh, today I'm excited very much about um, this show because it's near and dear to my heart. You know how wasteful film production can be. Listen, I know a lot of us try really hard to and, be, and have definitely become more conscious about waste on sets, but there's an entire organization out there that can support and help you with this called Green the Bid. They're dedicated to making the commercial production industry more sustainable.
0: And today we're chatting with the co-founder of Green the Bid, Julian Katz. Welcome, Julian. Hi. Hi, Thank Julia. you. Happy to be here. Uh, are you enjoying a cocktail with us for happy hour?
3: So, right now I have a water and a coffee in front of me, but my normal cocktail, which I would normally be
0: enjoying with
3: you here, would be a Mezcal Negroni.
2: Oh, one of our favorites. Yes.
0: Yes. I myself, since we're talking with Green the Bid, I'm having a green cocktail called a Midori Sour. <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is two, two ounces of Midori a half ounce of lime juice a half ounce of lemon juice two ounces of soda water you know it's a bill drink fill it up with ice you're good to go garnish it with like a you know a, a cherry or a lime slice if you're fancy Christian what are you drinking?
2: Today, I'm having a little PG tips with a splash of bourbon just for my throat. This is medicinal, everyone. It's It's medicinal uh, health first. Yeah, health Health. first. But first, we cover a lot of topics on these episodes, and there's not enough time to dive in as deep as we would like. So we've created our listeners' newsletter.
0: The listeners newsletter serves as our episode guide and it contains all the links we mentioned in these episodes and it dives deeper into the show topics as well as important industry news, which you need to stay on top of so you know what's going on in this business.
3: So
2: if you're loving the show, which we already know that you do, (laughs) and everything we chat about, which we already think is very informative, then head over to ProducersHappyHour.com or click in the link in our show notes to sign up for the newsletter.
0: And do us a favor. After you get that first newsletter, write us back and just let us know what you think because we live for your feedback.
2: All right. Julian Katz is a seasoned production expert who spent more than two decades. Wow, that's a long time in Uh advertising agencies across the US. His work has been honored in every creative festival out there and sits in the permanent collection at MoMA. That's impressive. And he's now the um, co-founder of Green the Bid.
0: And Green the Bid is a nonprofit dedicated to shifting the commercial production industry to zero waste, net carbon neutral, sustainable and regenerative practices. They bring together brands, agencies, production and post-production companies, as well as crew and vendors to tackle this issue collectively. Welcome, Julian Katz. Thank you. Why don't you start by just giving us an overview of Green the Bid and what you are bringing to the production landscape?
3: Absolutely, happy to. In 2000, in the first pandemic year, my co-founders and I got together to talk about this issue. We all come from different parts of the production industry. One of my co-founders, Kat, is similar to me; has a background in agency and brand production. Another, Michael, is has a sustainable consultancy that you know individual productions can hire mm-hmm. to green up their their productions. Jessie Nagel has a communications firm called Hype, so she mm-hmm. comes at it from you know, the comms side. Um, she deals with agencies and production companies and you know, has lots of different clients, and um, she also sits on the AICP West board. Uh, finally, Gabby K., uh, our fifth co-founder, um, mm-hmm. comes from England, um, where she had been in commercial production, She uh, but on the production side and sales and as an EP, um, working with really great directors and agencies. And now she dedicates herself fully to this work. The rest of us, it's, it's kind of our side gig. But mm-hmm. we came together to try to figure out a way to tackle this issue. I think that if you've been on set and if you've ever thought about it, you've probably realized that um, production is incredibly wasteful um, the way that we've always done it. We use all these net new materials, whatever we're building, we build it up and we just tear it down and most of it goes into landfill. Most of it was kind of net new to start with, which is, you know, not, maybe not necessary, um, we bring tons and tons of food on set, much more than we need usually, at least in commercials. And there's a lot of confusion about whether it's safe or legal to donate the excess. A lot of food waste gets just thrown out instead of composted, and you know anything that's organic that's that's decomposing gives off a lot more, you know, a lot of methane, which is ten times more harmful than carbon uh, in the short term. As a greenhouse gas, you know we fly. We fly a lot of people. I mean, uh, coming from the agency side and the brand side now, essential personnel, and it's become laughable almost how many people end up in Video Village. Um, I've been on productions where fifteen people are just sitting there on their laptops all day, um, mm-hmm. and they all flew from somewhere else. Uh, I mean, I've, I've never been based in LA, so I, and maybe it's different for LA-based clients and agencies that end up shooting in LA a lot. But you know, so the, and the travel makes up a huge part of that that carbon footprint of any production. So. We all came together to say, how can we, how can we tackle this issue? Because we, if you've hired a consultant like Michael's, which is called Good Planet Innovation or Ecoset or Win-Win or any number of other um, awesome consultancies out there, you've seen that there's a way to do this that doesn't hurt the creative, that doesn't make anyone's jobs any harder, that is really effective and is really easy for all involved. So we, we really just got together to educate the community about this, about how to do better, because we have to.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, you said a couple key things here. Budgets are shrinking and workloads are increasing, yeah. right? So uh, this typically kind of the burden kind of falls on, I shouldn't call it a burden. The The ownership of this really falls on, on production's hands who already have a, a lot going on. And, uh, you know, a lot of bids can't, can't support any additional fees to help with, you know, recycling sets or any of those kind of things that, that would need to happen. So there's a lot to dive in here. But can you give us like a bullet point list of what is the bare minimum production companies should be doing on set to help move us in the right direction? And then we can get into what are some of the bigger things we could be doing and involving Green the Bid with, with our actual on set days
3: i think that the bare minimum is is usually we look at as kind of a last resort (laughs) because we we really advocate for this to be done properly for for proper budget to be allocated to this so that it can be done in a really thorough comprehensive way that there be really thorough reporting on the back end of it which is very valuable to the brands and the agencies to some degree but obviously that's not always possible um so I would say a couple of things. One is we've just um, launched a complete how-to manual for sustainable production It's on our website. It's just at the bottom of our site, which is greenthebid.earth. And that is a step-by-step just workflow for any production to do this, as well as if they had hired a sustainability consultant. It requires a lot of extra work uh, to do it properly. So we also have, at the end of that document, we have a, something that we call, um, in case of emergency, break glass, um, which is basically just a bullet point of the bare minimum that you can do. So we've got a document called the top five things you can do. Um, so that's everything from you know getting rid of single-use plastics. That's kind of the poster child for this work. It's not It doesn't have the biggest impact, but it is something that's very easy to avoid. Eliminate unnecessary travel. That's that's the most impactful thing. If you can, you know, get rid of two people's flights, that's that's literally the most impact you can possibly have.
2: Can I please have you talk to the current agency that I'm working with? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I know it's it's hard. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to name names,
2: but we're all flying internationally. I'm like, what? I know it's not a vacation. What, what, what we're
3: trying and we understand, like, <laughs> it's a complicated issue because partly this is the way it's always been done. Partly. You know, I've seen more and more in my career. Sometimes creative directors want to reward um, creative teams that that may have touched the concept at some point, but they ultimately their concept <laughs> didn't even get chosen, or they were kind of the mm-hmm. trainees that, and mm-hmm. and they want to bring them along to like reward them for their work. Yes. Without and and that's obviously not being mindful of of the the carbon impact, but also I, I've always heard from production it's really disruptive to have that many extra bodies on set that they, they want to keep it down to the. You know, decision makers if possible so we understand if the job involves travel and the entire crew is going to be there that it makes sense to have some creative decision makers there of course so maybe someone yeah. from the client some creative director level or, or if the creatives themselves are empowered to make decisions you know the, produ- the agency producer but beyond that or maybe an account person depends on how many clients are there but I think that it, what we ask brands and agencies to do and and ask production to advocate for it's really just be mindful of that, to limit that as much as possible. We've also, the pandemic has proven, it, it may not be fun to sit at home and, and watch on Zoom or w- whatever when, no, when, you know, as the shoot's going of it. on. Yeah. But, yeah. but if, if you're giving someone that uh, learning experience, they can, they can still learn by watching that from home. Like if, if the people aren't essential decision makers, then I think that that's a pretty good way for them to still be involved.
2: 100% agree with that. I think that, um, you know, I, I know that some agencies did go the route of no clients come on set, that the creatives are empowered to, you know, make those decisions. However, I've found that in those situations, um, you try something Five or six different ways versus the way that.
3: <laughs> because
2: <laughs> oh, the client oh, isn't there to oh, cover want to their pets, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. But what I'd like to, I'd also like to dive into, like, I would love to hear from you what, besides travel and one time plastic use, like, what is a tip that people may not know? About, like, they may not be thinking about it, but something that could be almost, and I don't want to say easy because we should not be looking at it like that, but something mm-hmm. that they won't already heavily burden our production teams with even more something. Like, what is something easy that they can do?
3: I personally think the food waste, thing, I, I, actually. So, there's oh, the yeah, travel well. and transport is the yeah. biggest. We've never measured this in the industry across the industry. We're trying to get to a point where we can establish kind of a baseline benchmark for the impact of production, but. Right, but what we know from looking at individual productions is that travel and transport is the is the largest, probably mm. more than fifty percent of the impact Which is of any sometimes production. Sometimes out
2: of our control, as the production company, um, right?
3: But mm. the second largest piece of this generally is food, catering, craft service. Like I said, methane has more environmental impact than mm-hmm. carbon and is pretty avoidable. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's vital that leftover food be donated, and that's actually one thing, there's a lot of myth about that, uh, but in the hey, United tell us States-
0: about that. The, the myth is that it's illegal to donate food to a homeless shelter, it's, leftover it's, catering, is that it's true? It's
3: actually not true at all. In fact, in Bill Clinton's presidency, there's a federal law enacted, um, basically like a Good Samaritan law, that protects anyone who donates food with good intention, if you don't know that the food is tainted, if you haven't had potato salad out in the desert for 12 hours. Um, like,
2: like, like a good rule of thumb is if you wouldn't eat it, then... They... <laughs> right. So, so if,
3: as long as you aren't aware that anything's wrong with it, you're completely mm-hmm. protected by federal law. So it's all 50 states. Many countries have this uh, like similar laws. Finding a, a, a place that will accept food that's not individually packaged can be tricky. We've actually published a map with the help of Smuggler. Andrew Colon at Smuggler had... Um, mm-hmm. developed his own food donation map and we've built on that and we've expanded it to be more global and it's just constantly updating it's like a google maps um, based d- document basically but every time we find out about uh, you know anyone that will accept food donations will include that on the map and we will indicate you know whether it has to be individually wrapped or if it can just be you know,
0: shared meals. Oh, sorry, I <laughs> want to get that link from you and we'll put it in our, in our newsletter, but Christian, girl mm-hmm.
2: And I, well, I used to have a, <laughs> um, a, a network of truck PAs in New York that would um, donate to their neighborhood churches. Like they would just call up and be like, so there was this, this network of people that we can all tap into as well. Yeah. And I love that you have a map because now yeah. <laughs> we can combine forces. Right. There's
3: also, there's a company called everyday action in LA mm-hmm, that um, mm-hmm. they, they mostly cater to film and TV where they'll be camped out in the studio for, you know, all month. Um, and they'll right. just come every day at the end of the day, take all the leftover food that can't oh get reused the next day that's and amazing. bring it to, you know, shelters and, and people in need. You know, that's the donation part. And then also it's mm-hmm. just vital that we to get into the, especially in LA where it's completely easy to do, that we get into composting what we can't donate or consume. Like composting captures that that methane emission. It, it, it completely prevents that methane from getting released into the air and it creates like healthy soil it's a total win f- to, to divert that from landfill and put that into composting is, is huge and and actually the food waste makes up again we don't have industry standards but we've seen it make up as much as like 40 percent of all of the tonnage or whatever the, the poundage of, of waste on set including our department so you're talking about like a lot of food is just thrown in the garbage and then it's just like oh, sitting yeah. there reeking creating methane it's like you know it's pretty bad.
0: Are there composting services that we could utilize to facilitate that? Absolutely, I mean, it's basically about, I don't know if they'll come
3: to you necessarily. I think you probably have to to bring the waste to them. And some have different standards about what they'll accept. Another thing we, we try to educate everyone about is that um, quote-unquote compostable plastic, uh, generally, is not compostable if you just take it to a standard composting uh, facility or if you try and compost it in your backyard it won't work you need to have a special facility that can handle that so certain some cities that have composting they'll tell you whether they accept those again quote-unquote compostable wow. plastics or not i think that there's a lot of industry around trying to capitalize on people's intentions to be more environmentally yes. conscious mm-hmm. and totally like box water again i don't want to you know and just right. like boxed water is basically like a, in a milk carton, which is basically usually not recyclable because the plastic right. is fused to the paper. So right. if you have to use single use for water, use aluminum cans. It's 90% of all of the plastic that ever gets produced every year ends up in mm-hmm. landfill or the ocean mm-hmm. or the environment, whereas 75% of all of the aluminum that has ever been created in the one hundred 25 or 40 Mm -hmm. years since aluminum was first invented is still in circulation. So
2: that's amazing.
3: Aluminum is vastly superior to, uh, to, to plastic when it comes to single use.
0: Hey Christian, why are locations always such a hassle in our jobs?
1: I have a quick story for you, Lawrence, to to explain why. Bring it on. I get all kinds of jobs, and sometimes there's celebrity interviews where the celeb may live in another market that isn't New York or L.A., Mm. so I have to find a location near their home because it's just an interview. Nobody's paying for a scout for that stuff. So I use a lot of those marketplaces, but that can be a huge time suck.
0: Oh, God. I do a lot of experiential, and I'm typically on way before I have a budget to bring on a scout. And I got to do a lot of pre-research on locations. Yeah, I've used those marketplaces too, but there's like a million steps between seeing a listing on one of those marketplaces, loving it, actually seeing it in person and then securing it. It, it. It's just such a time suck.
1: Yes. And I can speak from experience because that's where our friends from Ave come in.
0: Yes, Ave is the first nationwide location scouting company. Not only do they have a marketplace where you can just you know look at options for yourself, they have a concierge service where they access a private network of locations all over the country. It saves you so much time and money, and it helps you get, find the right location for wherever you need to shoot.
1: Exactly. So I just went on their site. I filled out a simple, quick form. I was paired with an amazing location producer. And then I received a curated report with multiple location options for my project. From there, they handled everything, including scheduling the walkthroughs, even on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m., Ooh,
0: nice. to
1: negotiating the location agreement. And I didn't need a permit, but they actually offer that service, too.
0: And the most amazing thing about them is that there are no upfront costs. They only get paid if you book the location that they found, which is, like, so crazy.
1: Save time, money, and your sanity by adding Ave to your producer's toolbox. Just visit avey at com. That's a double
2: Would it be beneficial for production as it goes so far as to eliminate beef from catering or those types well, of things
3: if, if you if you can get away with it obvi- that is that's that's oh, just yeah. well, a, an I amazing t- I, like-
2: mean, I feel like <laughs> so, i'm strong enough to tell people what the fuck we I, well, I think i think it depends
3: on the the will of the, the yeah. team that's how, dealing with the, <laughs> yes. i mean there's a lot of perception probably some of it correct that some of the crew is going to really be upset if they don't have no. their their meat Not options anymore. but but mm-hmm. i think we found actually that if the catering provides good vegetarian options and and oh, yeah. people actually try that then sometimes they mm-hmm. are converted and they actually enjoy that we definitely would like advocate for having less meat on set so always having vegetarian options at the very least or if you're doing a mm-hmm. multi-day shoot maybe having a vegetarian yeah. day
2: i've heard from local 52 guys for years that you know like especially in commercial production that you know cater- they'll they'll go they'll have three or four different shoots with three or four different companies on the same week and you know one day shoots just line them up and then they've worked that week and they get the same catering each day or it's so heavy that there are systems so on it they, you know and then we walk yeah, to a certain it. age where we have like we're watching our red meat intake right so I don't think that it's so too hard of a stretch people are definitely healthier than they were when I first started in the 90s yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when it was like omelet bars and wall oh, stations yeah. and, and you know exactly yeah. <laughs> so but that stuff's kind of gone away so I do think that's the transaction is actually thoughtful. If you're having a one day shoot, just you know, just don't take the beef option. I think that's an easy thing.
3: I mean, I do too. And and you're totally right. right. If I've ever been <laughs> on a long shoot, a week long shoot, or even like a month long shoot, mm-hmm. you're eating so much more than you would at home or ever. in the office or exactly. whatever. Um, be, just because the food's always being presented to you, and sometimes you get a good caterer, and it's just like you know, or like great right. craft service. And you just, you just want to eat everything that they put right. in front of you, but it's so much more than we need.
2: Pass rounds are my pet peeve. Like, you know what? Like I, I get it, but no, like everybody can stand up and walk 50 feet to
3: craft service and
2: get a yogurt. I know. So, but that's just me. And I think that it's, I personally feel it's a bit wasteful, but.
3: Again. But that's another thing, you know, and we have, you know, we've we published a ton of resources, all of the resources that yeah. we've ever put together mm-hmm. are free on our site, um, anyone can use them. Um, and often we'll put those together at the request of one of our members or someone we talked to, both the, the food, well, we have a composting resource, I don't even remember if I mentioned that, but we've we've looked into composting options in most of the major cities that people shoot in in the States, and so that's on our on our site. That was put together at, at the behest of, you know, a member that was asking mm-hmm. about that, same with the food donation map. And we've put together checklists for all the different crew departments to, you know, to, to abide by and for catering and craft service. I mean, single use is kind of so standard. Like there's so many single mm-hmm. use little cups and just plates and everything. And so, so we've put together some guidance for how they can do that better, or at least do it with, instead of using plastic, use bamboo utensils. That's another thing. Right. COVID people use COVID as kind of an excuse. I mean, COVID's complicated, obviously, for our industry. It's amazing how we were able to keep producing during that time when it was, like, oh, pretty locked tell down. Tell me about it. <laughs> but, yeah. but a lot of... And so even though we were traveling less and we were, like, gathering less people to, to you know, to, to consume less, most likely, we also, a lot of the the sustainability guidelines kind of went out the window because everyone was having to answer to the COVID, you know, safety officers on set. And obviously safety first, but those... People mostly were advocating for single use and single use equals single use plastic in most cases. But we've you know, we've got guidance for catering where we say even during COVID, if you have single use use like cardboard packages and use Bamboo utensils wrapped in paper instead of—it's you know, just as safe as as plastic wrapped in plastic, and obviously it's going to have a much smaller impact. And if you're composting, you can compost all that.
2: The resources alone, because I think that um, you know, doing nothing versus doing five of the things that you're suggesting mm-hmm. is just—it just becomes um, a mindset, and it impacts for sure the bottom
0: line. What does the full package for you look like? Like if you were to come in. Partner with a TV show or a feature film. I assume you send people to set. I assume you handle a lot of this. What what does the, the the full monty look like?
3: We actually don't. We're we're just a nonprofit. We're a community. We're a grassroots, you know, advocacy group. Um, we bring all those stakeholders together. Like you mentioned, clients, um, you know, brands, agencies, production, post, and and crew, and vendors. And we, you know, we, we tackle all of this collectively. We share resources. We bring people together to discuss, you know, successes and failures, et cetera. But when it comes to actual individual productions, we've vetted a bunch of consultancies that you can use that does come at a a cost. And then, and we've provided that resource that I mentioned earlier, the the complete production how-to, um, if you can't if for whatever reason you can't use a consultancy because you're shooting somewhere where they're not or your budget is too strapped or, or whatever but we've also audited all the consultancies to figure out what a an average cost is to do this properly and mm-hmm. that cost is about one percent on top of the production costs, and and really for an agency we look at production and, and post if you want to do this properly right. the different consultancies have slightly di- like that goes into slightly different places they categorize it slightly differently but we've also Broken down a range of what what that cost is going for towards line by line, so that if procurement, cost control, whatever is challenging it or just wants to know what what that cost is, that's kind of the backup that you can provide. But um, that basically goes for the staffing of of people to manage this process. From mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of staffing during prep where they're talking to all the different department heads and just you know kind of discussing how to, how to tackle <clears throat> this on that particular production. But then it's on set. There's usually a couple of bodies that are there managing all of the waste, you know, the resource recovery stations. So instead of thinking about it as all trash, we look at it as, you know, recycling, composting, and then landfill. And hopefully you're seeing a lot less stuff going to landfill than either of those others. Right. So someone's managing, you know, manning those stations, you know, renting the kit to, to, to ma- you know, to manage that. They're, they're, then right. they're taking all of that to dispose of properly and then they're also like, in the background, they've been working with art department to figure out if there's mm-hmm. an opportunity to donate um, materials or even entire set pieces right. to mm-hmm. local theaters or schools. Or And it, so it works out to about 1% of the production. I think that there could be potentially some cost savings as well. If you're sending less to a dump, then you're paying yes, less sure. <laughs> um, to dispose of that. You're You're paying your yeah. truckers less. Um, yeah, or like they 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 have less to throw away. Hopefully they have less trips to take.
1: Hey, Lawrence, do I have a story for you? Oh, boy. I got totally boned by a script.
0: Oh, no. This has happened to me before. Yeah. What happened?
1: Well, I missed something. I was reading it, breaking it down, and I completely missed something important. It was just, you know, little blurb, I thought. But in the end, it totally fucked me. Oh,
0: Was it a chariot race? <laughs> what do you not know this term yes no it, cherry race it's from ben-hur they were filming ben-hur and and the huge climax of the movie was just one line in the script whoever broke it down just gave it a one-eighth page marker and it was <laughs> then there's a chariot race
1: <laughs> that shit looked like it took three weeks
0: yes to it, film. And it did. yes <laughs> it was only scheduled for a couple hours in an afternoon because nobody really understood what was meant by a chariot race
1: Yeah, so um, that was improper breaking down of said script, it says.
0: Exactly, (laughs) which is why we developed a course called The Art of Script Breakdowns.
1: Yeah, the people have spoken. You guys wanted it, so we did it. We did a thing.
0: We did a thing. And not only is it just script breakdowns, yeah, okay, sounds simple, whatever, no, but this is from a producer's perspective because, you know, a lot of times you can get a little lazy and just give the script read it over and you think, OK, I got it. Give it out to your department heads and let them kind of deal with it. But if you're not breaking down the script before you give it to your department heads, you might miss the frickin' chariot race.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely said, hey, production designer, could you take a look at this and let me know what you think without reading it first or looking at it from our department's perspective, right? So really, when you break down a script, You need to be looking at it from each department. So we walk you through exactly how to do that.
0: Right. And we teach you what to look out for from things like time of day. What if you had a minor in every single shot of the script? How are you going to do that? (laughs) And they're, and they're supposed to be six years old. What are you going to do? Like, Yeah, and only one day of filming. Guess what? Guess what? You're in a little bit of trouble. So we put together a comprehensive course that focuses on efficiency, accuracy, clarity. It's a very nuanced approach that will ensure you that you can find and discover all the pitfalls that may occur during your pre-production.
1: We also show you step by step how to take this knowledge and explain it to your director, your producer, mm-hmm. your agent agency, everybody so that we're all on the same page.
0: Yeah. You can't just be, you know, freaking out because, oh, there's not enough time. There's not enough money. You need to do the work, break it down, show people why things aren't adding up so you can all be on the same page and solve those problems together before they become costly mistakes.
1: Please sign up now, learn a few things, laugh a little, have a cocktail.
0: Yeah, make yourself a drink and we'll dive into it and show you all of our tips and tricks. Just go to our website, ProducersHappyHour.com, or click the link in the show notes to sign up.
1: Yes, do so now because it's on sale for a very good price until May 5th.
2: What used to kill me doing commercials for 20 years in New York City was, um, you know, we would go into a stage, Put a subfloor of birch plywood uh-huh. at the time, I don't know, 35 to $50 a sheet. Then um, completely build a set. And then there was nothing to do with it, which I know Ava like totally revolutionized everything when she started up her company, but it was so wasteful. And props, when you would start to talk about the carpenters or the props or anything, it was just like, can you, like, is there a TV show that can use some of this plywood? Is somebody building a house? Like, our truck BAs will bring you this plywood. Is somebody building a house? Like, anything. And you would try to network and it was so much work. However, we, you would try, right? And it seemed Seems like these days there's so many more resources in order to just make a phone call and get that stuff to somebody who needs it versus a landfill, right?
3: Yeah. I mean yeah. so if you're working with a consultancy, they they already are tapped into, you know, lots of different potential, you know, people and, and organizations that would accept those resources. But I think that's the idea, that's the mindset shift that we're really looking mm-hmm. for. It's it's waste limitation, exactly. but you know, looking at all of this as resources that that are you know largely recoverable and it's it's really you know looking at where we can get away from this kind of net new build it scrap it move on you know and, <laughs> yeah, and with productions thing. like you said it's it can be one day like you could build this massive set and and just throw it all out after like one day two days of shooting with it it's i mean film and tv is probably a little ahead of commercials in terms of yes this world and just thinking about this but they also you know, they might have larger productions, but they also will go camp out on in a studio for you know a month or two months, or they'll, exactly. they'll like. So their their footprint's actually much more limited, and they're using those resources a lot more than we do, just inherently, but based on the nature, you know, like the length of our shoots,
0: the nature of commercials. Yeah. yeah. Are you looking for commitments from production companies to kind of be under the green the bit umbrella? And if so, what do those commitments look like?
3: That's a great question. I should have mentioned that earlier. So when a, a company, any company joins Green the Bid, th- they're pledging to uphold a certain commitment. So uh, if you're a brand, you're ple- pledging to cover these costs. We we don't want to put these costs on production or agencies. Agencies in production are getting squeezed. The the way that the industry is going, the the brands are wanting more for less, and agencies feel that as much as production, believe it or not. Um, so agencies don't want to squeeze their, their production partners. It's the brand's budgets that are usually forcing that. But if a brand joins green the bid, we ask them to pledge to you know to commit to cover those costs so we say it's about one percent of every production that's obviously going to flex up and down depending on the, the needs sure. of that production just like any other department you know, it's, if you're shooting in 10 different locations it's different than if you're sitting in a studio and you know so if you're an agency you're you're um, pledging to advocate for to your to your clients to cover that cost if you're a production you're you're pledging to include it in your bid. And also to research what it'll actually take to get it done properly. So that's talking to a consultancy or really doing the work and educating yourself on how to do it yourself. Post is interesting, actually. Originally, we were really looking at um, in-office practices, food practices, but data storage has a huge footprint. Cloud storage.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I Massively.
3: have,
2: I have, yeah, I have so many hard drives at my house from so many years <laughs> oh, of gosh. of keeping the second one on hand just because we right. needed it. Yeah,
3: well, yeah. it's. I think right now there's no standard in our industry for none deletion and retention. Hard drives are bad. Cloud storage is way worse. Oh wow. We, oh really? Yeah. Didn't oh yeah. Clouds. I mean, it seems invisible, and but it, that means that right. servers are running, and fans are going, and electricity is being used to have this stuff be. Accessible in real time, always in perpetuity, oh, yeah. And we're right. just putting all of our store, you know, we're just putting more and more data into the cloud without thinking about it because it's the cloud; it's invisible, it has no, you know, no weight to it, but it's actually incredibly weightful. <laughs> um, so, in yeah. so, I really don't want to misquote the numbers because in one of our member meetings recently, we had a a, um, a company present to us about uh, about this issue about about the average cost for cloud storage, the the average kind of carbon cost for cloud storage versus drive storage versus LTO tape. And LTO tape is by far the most stable and environmentally sound option. So for deep storage, especially after months or years have gone by and no one's like, what is the likelihood anyone's going to need to access this information, like the raw data? Pretty much ever, but also... If they do, do they need to ex- access it like now or can they wait a day and get it off the LTO archive? Well, it would, it
2: um, would definitely take a day to get it anyway, no matter what.
3: Right. So anyway, that's that's a conversation we're getting into with the post community right now. We're also engaging AICP and the ANAs and the 4As and trying to establish a standard for who's responsible. Also insurance plays a large part in this because no one really knows who's responsible. So no. we're also working with insurance companies to try and figure out like, just establish for once and for all who's responsible, who holds on to it, what format that is in, how long they have to hold on to it, et cetera, et cetera, you know, so.
2: Yeah, and I think, I I personally think it comes from part of the culture of never wanting to say no or always having the solution
0: Mm -hmm. because we,
2: we expect that of producers and production anyway. So like, you know, yeah, I think it comes from that culture as well of just like always having an option. Yeah, mm-hmm. or always having your butt covered, right? Yes, yeah.
3: well, like, yeah. in the van, <laughs> <But> <laughs> right? It, we, totally, and then hundred percent. It's very well meaning. I think, I think you know, everyone's yeah. just ch- trying but to. But nobody
2: wants to be the one to say no or to set yeah. limitations on that or but, expectations. But but if there was
3: an industry standard that everyone was expecting, yeah. then then I
2: just you say let's go with taxes. <laughs> Let's just go with the the IRS rule. Like after seven years, that's it. Don't expect it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> See, solved it. Next, No Done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I love what you're saying about about shifting the ownership from production and agencies back to mm. the brands. That is yeah. really. That's they're the ones who are. Appetizing. I think. Oh, and actually, really I didn't smart. even
3: totally answer your question, which is we know that most people will just be very early in their journey and in in this work. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that we're the first resource of our kind to, to talk to this community about this issue. What we really demand of our members is to come to this work um, with integrity of intention. So so basically, we are going to strive to do this better. We are going to try to uphold these commitments. We're not going to audit you you know, and, and, and kick you out if, you, if you're not doing it properly. Right. I mean, sometimes it's out of your control. If you're a production company, if you're an agency, sometimes the client's just not going to pay for it. And sometimes whatever you're shooting in the desert and you just couldn't find you know, a, the, a way to hydrate people without the plastic water bottles. It happens, like we, we understand that. But if we all keep this top of mind, if we all join this conversation and really try to tackle this collectively, we can do better. And we've already seen a huge shift in the industry in the, in the two and a half years since we launched. We're seeing people, you know, we're seeing agencies ask production companies to green the bid and they don't even necessarily know what that means. Uh (laughs) But then the production company will come to us and say, what does that mean? What's the expectation here? And And so we're like this conversation has become very top of mind all of a sudden, which is which is not the case two and a half years ago.
0: And that that was going to be my next question, because, you know, okay, yes, we're talking on the top level of agencies and brands and production companies and, and whatnot. But there could be a producer out there listening to this episode who maybe does some smaller jobs and they wanna call you and they wanna do the right thing. And what can they expect if they pick up the phone or email, green the bid, and say, hey, I wanna make my next job as environmentally sound as possible. How can you help or what? how can I work with you? What does that conversation look like?
3: Yeah, I mean, we have those calls all the time. I mean, I think we can point to individual resources that we put, I mean, chances are, you know, we've already built something that will will help that, that individual do what they can, um, even without that support. I mean, again, we really do advocate strongly for, I mean, we, we look at it as the same equation as like, as literally like safety on set. Like, like you don't, Oh, interesting. you never walk away from a set that had a stunt saying like, wow, that was such a safe production. Like, yeah. of course it was safe. It was like, that's the way that's the, that's the responsible way to produce this this work is to have stuntmen and rigging and a pad and everything. Yeah, as yeah. As far as we're concerned, it's the same, you know, with with sustainable production, it should just become industry standard. Our deepest desire is that five years from now, we can just not exist anymore because everyone's doing this right. So, so we really do want brands to start thinking of this as a cost of doing business. If those resources aren't there, if people are just doing it themselves, we definitely have a ton of resources that they can use. They can look oh, at that fantastic. complete production how to, I mean, they can, they're free to just go through our site and just grab all of those checklists and all of the sample, like onset signage and, and, uh, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. call sheet language and whatever else we've put together for them. um, They're free to, they don't have to be members. The company they're working for doesn't have to be a member. People can take this on as an individual. That's how it always worked. I mean, that's how we've amassed this knowledge and this information that we're sharing out is that this was all the work of individuals who cared (laughs) to try to do better. And now we're trying to make that more of a universally
0: accepted mm-hmm. standard. We'll get your website at the end of this, but our producers out there can go to your website, get a bunch of resources, bunch of checklists, a lot of information. Uh, and, just, and,
3: the, and they should the, reach out. They should reach out to us, hello at greenthebid.earth, or just use the contact form on our website. We'll, we'll get back to them you know, as quickly as we can. We'll set up a call. We'll point them in the right direction. There's a ton of resources. So if it's a little overwhelming, we're always happy to come yeah, yeah, on the no, phone that's what and I'm talk you through to, it.
0: Like w- get it down to some bullet points. But, but, but like we talked about, like travel is a big one. Getting less people to travel. Food is another big one. And single-use
2: plastic And uh, single-use plastics. Single plastics.
0: Go
3: digital. Don't print anything. You really don't need to yes. print. You never print. I mean, I mean thank I'm, goodness
2: I, we're kind of there. <laughs>
3: we've, seen, COVID, we've seen yeah. kind of yeah, like, yeah. pre-pro books have basically gone completely digital. Well, Call and
0: then you get, get on set <laughs> and then there's a client who's like, I need it printed. Can I get it Ouch. printed? Then all of a sudden everyone wants it printed and then you just made 20 of them.
3: Well, yeah. <laughs> try, at least go in with the intention of not doing yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, th- those, are, um, those are kind of the, the bare bones, but then it gets a lot deeper, obviously, the, the deeper you yes, care to go sure. with it.
2: And it's about shifting education and shifting people's mindsets. It's Absolutely. like education and just starting because once you start thinking about it, it becomes second nature, and then you just do it. And that's where our goal is. 100%. I love it,
0: Julian. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today for for a yes. little happy hour. The contact information again.
3: The website is greenthebid.earth Earth, and the contact email is hello at greenthebid. Earth.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Christian. How do people get a hold of you if they want you?
2: Sister Christian produces.com and Lawrence. How do they get you if they want you?
0: LawrenceT.Lewis.com.
2: Amazing. Thanks, Thanks thank Julian. Thank you so
1: much.
0: Thank you. By- okay, Bye, thank everybody. You. Bye.
1: Producers Happy Hour is brought to you with the help of the handsome Christopher Daniels,
0: who is a design and branding specialist.
1: And Brendan Russell at Podlad.com, who is our fabulous editor.
0: If you enjoy this podcast and want to dive deeper, subscribe to our listeners newsletter. Simply go to ProducersHappyHour.com to sign up. Thanks for listening. And remember, enjoy happy hour while you can.
1: Because making shit is hard.